are listening to WHOA Podcast, coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the WHOA GNV Podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. Today on the show, we have Cindy and Joe Montato. Did I say that right? Montalto. Montalto. <laughs> who created, own, and operate the Magnolia Plantation Bed and Breakfast Inn in downtown Gainesville, Florida, baby. Guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for having yeah, us. Thanks. Yeah, we're gonna thanks have a, for... we're gonna have a great time. You know, Cindy's a little nervous. I can tell. <laughs> we're gonna have so much fun, and I I'm super excited that you guys are here. And you guys, I gotta I gotta explain a little bit of what's going on around here, right? Because last week you heard Ty say that he is going to the Middle East to play golf. And and bro, I mean, if you're going over there, you better win, my man. You better win. But the team and I got a really great idea, and I'm gonna explain that really quick. <laughs> One, I want this podcast to absolutely um, benefit the community and give exposure to some of the incredible things that our nonprofits are doing here in Gainesville. So there's been a lot of ideas thrown around the table, um, but but the one thing that that kind of happened through all this with Ty leaving, I was like, you know what would be really great is instead of like having an entire show that's dedicated to a nonprofit, I will invite nonprofits onto the show to be my co-hosts while Ty is gone. And Lacey Basford from what? Foster, Florida is my first guest co-host. What? <laughs> Give it up. <laughs> I'm super excited that you're here. Um, we're going to, so I'm gonna do, I don't, we don't even know how long Ty is gonna be gone for. It's probably gonna be four or five weeks is kind of like what we're guesstimating right now. So we're gonna have guest co-hosts for each of those weeks. And um, and I'm just, I'm excited to see what comes over it and comes of it and, and just see what, uh, you know, just see what God does with this opportunity. Right, and you're obedient <laughs> so, to that. So yeah, so Lacey, so tell everybody about Foster Florida. Yeah, what you guys do. Give us like the little five minute highlight of what you guys do, and then what's what you know what's in line for 2019. Yeah, so we started just over three years ago. Really, it was born out of a need that we saw. So I didn't start out in life to become a foster parent because you know that was super weird. <laughs> Um, in an unknown world. So I was a teacher prior and we've owned a couple of businesses that we ran out of our home. We had two girls of our own and thought, you know what, we will help people who are doing that, but we don't really need to do that ourselves because we're so busy. Um, And it was slowly like God kept chiseling away at our heart saying, you know what, I've set you up for this and you have space in your home, you have space in your life, you can do that. So we kind of walked alongside, we served others who were doing foster care. And about five years ago, we said, well, we'll just take the classes and surely there'll be a roadblock. And we went through the classes. We took about six months to do our paperwork because I thought surely the door will close. Well, it never did. (laughs) And really never knew foster care was something we were truly supposed to do until literally these twin girls came up onto our doorstep at 1 a.m. in the morning on December 1st in 2013 and truly just saw, wow, this is real and it is raw and it's right here in our own backyard. And they came into my arms and I thought, 
this is what we're supposed to do. Um, so because of our work and our influence on social media, I was able to have all the support just naturally. Like literally, I would have a newborn come into my home and I could say on social media, hey guys, I've got a newborn coming, I need a crib like in an hour. And somebody would literally go buy me a crib at Walmart, bring it to my house and I would have a crib in an hour. And so what we found uh, with my best friend, Christy Sutton, we both kind of had that influence. Shout out Christy, shout, shout out. out. To Christy. Um, But other people didn't. And so we had all these friends who were doing foster care who didn't know how to ask for what they needed and didn't have that circle of support. And so through that, we just kind of slowly saw, wow, we need to really equip the community to have a spot in foster care, whether they're on the front lines of foster care, having kids in their home or not, because not everybody can do that. We always say if if everybody was on the front lines of foster care, we would die. (laughs) Right. You have to have people supporting you. Um, So we that's kind of how Foster Florida was born. And so that's what we do. We really seek to engage the community, whether that's churches, individuals, businesses to really wrap around and say everybody can have a spot at the table in foster care that may look like taking care of a child that may look in that may look like providing a meal for somebody that may look like providing a room for a family who needs uh, to take a little nap, you know, because I have six kids and I need naps like that. Um, hey, maybe I need to ride on a scooter, too. I mean, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's kind of what it looks like. Listen, there's 20,000 foster kids in the state of Florida on average at any given moment. And so it is a huge need and it's right here. You know, it's not across this, it's not overseas, it's not in Guatemala. Those things happen right here in Gainesville, Florida um, and in our state. So that's what we do. In 2018, we had several people just uh, through social media reach out to us and say, we see what you're doing in Gainesville and we want to do that here. And we thought the first couple people who contacted us, we were like, okay, cool, cool. Well, we'll have a phone conversation with you. Um, but God really just kept bringing people. And so in 2019, we're hard launching eight chapters of Foster Florida throughout the state, um, which is pretty intense and cool. Um, so they're all coming into Gainesville in March for training and they're going to be able to launch in their areas and really uh, make those connections between the community and foster care and saying, hey, we all have a part um, and let's connect our state in doing that. So that's okay, what so, we do. So in 2000, so first child hit your doorstep in mm-hmm. 2013, you said? Yeah. So how many have you fostered since then? So we had, and when, listen, when I started out, I, I told my licensing worker that I would ha- take one child. Right. Right. And then she said, well, let me just license you for two, just in case, because the paperwork <laughs> is a lot. And our very first call was, hey, congratulations, you got your license. And we have these twins. And I looked at my husband and I was like, what the heck do we say? And he said, I guess you say yes. So here we are. Um, So yeah, we've never had less than two foster kids in our home at a time. So we've jumped from two kids in our home to four, and now we have six. Um, But over the years, we've had over 20 foster kids come through our threshold. And some have been with us for, you know, just a night. Some have been with us for a year, year and a half, and then we're able to reunify with their family. Um, their parents worked their case plans well, healed from their trauma, um, beautiful stories. Um, and then we have three kids that we have adopted um, and they are all siblings. And unfortunately they weren't able to reunify with family, but they are with us forever. So you kind of never know in foster care how long they'll be there. So, and we have one little foster guy right now who's been with us for about three months. Yeah. Yeah. Is it hard? Like when the ones that get reunified uh, for you guys, I mean, oh, yeah. cause if somebody, you know, if a, you've been taking care of a child for, 
a year and then mm-hmm. they do get reunified. What's like what's that? I yeah, mean, I'm sure so, there's so different is, levels of emotion. I'm trying yeah. I'm trying to put myself so in So a your lot shoes of people right a lot of people say, I don't know if I could do what you do because I couldn't give them back. And the reality is all of that hurt and all of that fear that you're feeling right then, that is everything that we feel, right? But it ha- you have to take your focus off of you and put your focus on that child because who else is gonna be there in their time of need if you don't step up and do it? Right. Yeah, so it's hard. I mean, listen, I have been through depression. When those twins left, it was horrible. So that was kind of our herd, our first like hard fall in love with them. Um, yeah, totally went through some depression. So tell everybody where they can help and support yeah. you guys. So starting tomorrow, praise the Lord, our website, our, the new website new launches. Website, so don't go, at, well actually by the time this airs, it'll be it'll beautiful. Be um, so yeah, you can go to fosterflorida.org. You can see um, multiple ways you can get involved. If you want a business, we who's, have a page who's doing for- Who's the website for you guys? Foes. Okay, Brandon West, who was on the podcast. Yes, yes. Fabulous. Talented Dude, people he, over there. Excellent, beautiful yep. websites. Yeah, love them. Um, so, yep, so they did all that for us. And so if you have a business, you have we have a business collaborator page of how your business can be involved in Foster Florida, providing goods, services, discounts to foster families as they serve on the front lines. Um, we also have a place for vill- who we call villagers, who's really the community to step in. You can provide a meal for a family, become a prayer partner for a family, provide uh, for those urgent needs, child care when they go to court, or parents just need a breather. Um, you know, foster parents receive an average of $13 a day as a stipend for a child in their home. And I don't know if the last time you paid a babysitter, but. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right? It's $13 an hour, right. not a day. Um, so we want to provide and Nobody those drops tra- their kids off with the babysitter yeah, right. or leaves their kids with the babysitter for an hour. It's right. Like, it's multiple right. Hours. Really? Like, I can barely, you know, drink drink a Coke in an hour so, right. or, or a glass of wine. Let's get real. <laughs> That's what we really need. <laughs> Let's be real. Um, so yeah, so they, there's so many ways that you can be involved. I mean, I would never sign up to cook for a foster family because I hate cooking. But you know what? I can buy you a gift card, or I can go get some diapers for you, or I can, or I can watch your kid for an hour or three, or all day. <laughs> <laughs> well, excellent. Well, thank you so much for being my first guest co-host. Thanks this is for gonna be having awesome. me. I see that she's got her notepad and everything over here ready. I do. We're gonna I'm ask. We're gonna ask these these guys some awesome questions and get into their story, which I'm like, which I'm ecstatic about. And just to, just to, I'll, I'll give you a little secret to to something that Shannon and I like to do. Right. So we <laughs> sometimes like to escape our household. <laughs> yes. And just go Grace. to another household and. <laughs> Just be alone, just us, like break. That's kind of our break from the kids or just if we like to do an anniversary night. I mean, the truth be told, like sometimes it's, you know, it's a little pricey to get outside of town or go to the beach for the weekend, that kind of thing. So we've always had a thing, like we've always been fascinated with the bed and breakfast scene here in Gainesville. And I feel like it's one of those things that's really un, untapped that a lot of people don't know about. It's kind of like a little hidden gem down there. and. Um, so Shannon and I, for our 11 year anniversary in December, um, decided to book a bed and breakfast. And we went to Joe and Cindy's place and it was it was fantastic. And of course, 
being the gracious host that they were, we got into lengthy conversations, and I was like, oh my God, like this is such, a, this is so fascinating. Even the business side of running a bed and breakfast fascinates me. So I was like, hey, would you guys please come and be on the podcast? Like, let's talk, let's share this story, let's talk about this. So they were like, yeah, we'll, uh, we've never done that before, but we'll give it a shot. <laughs> so I'm so glad that you guys said yes. Um, I think your, your residence over there is fantastic. And and so what I what we like to do with the show is just kind of have you guys tell us your origin story, like tell us take us back a little bit, tell us what led to you becoming bed and breakfast owners and and what and so everybody knows what's the name of your place? Magnolia Plantation. And bed what, and breakfast. And what's the address down there? 309 Southeast 7th Street. All right. Excellent. And um, what was the room that Shannon and I stayed in? Carriage, carriage house. Carriage house. That's I mean, our nicest the accommodation. Make, the baby nice. making room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't start rumors. Cindy <laughs> so comes on. It's like, is uh, so Shannon having a baby? I'm like, uh, no, she's not. Don't start rumors. <laughs> um, but I mean, absolutely, absolutely gorgeous. I mean, it has this like huge wraparound deck, beautiful fireplace. I mean, it was just, it was just gorgeous, and we had a great time. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so tell us, <laughs> now I got baby on the mind, which is only a, a problem. Well, um, uh, can I go first? Or you yeah, yeah, first? Are we it doesn't matter. with the insanity? Well, no, I, I, okay, <laughs> the, the origins of our story, which I won't get into, but begin April 7th, 1971 at 7 p.m. That was our first and last blind date. And I tell people that when Cindy and I met, I said, I, uh, I said I've been in free fall ever since and though I've seen the ground, I haven't hit it yet. So we've had an incredible adventure together um, over these uh, almost uh, 42 years, actually. Awesome. So um, um, I think that's really the origin, but the bed and breakfast thing, I, I think Cindy will, will tell you a little bit about this, but my take on it is um, we went to our first bed and breakfast in uh, 1982, and we stayed at a beautiful place in uh, Bar Harbor, Maine, uh, called Clefstone Manor. And uh, the two innkeepers were uh, from England, but uh, they s spent their summers in Maine running this inn. And we kind of fell in love with these guys. They were only there for like three or four days, but we said, wow. I mean, we can do this. Exactly. <laughs> and um, we, we stayed in the, the little, a little summer cottage they, they called uh, in Bar Harbor. It was a 32-room house, but it was a summer cottage. Wow. And we had a little house in downtown Orlando um, that was built in 1938. So when we got back uh, from this inn, Cindy decided that we should turn you know, one of our rooms into a bed and breakfast room. And so... Our neighbors thought we had a lot of friends visiting. <laughs> right. And had all the time. And so we, we had this little, little uh, the house was, was only about 1,800 square feet, but we had like a little area in the house where we could rent rooms out. So we were both working full time outside the home. And um, so Cindy uh, had, booked our two guest rooms. Um, and I came home uh, from work, she usually got home about 20 minutes before I did. I came home from work and she's sitting on the front stoop of her house. And I said, I said, what are you doing, here, doing out here? And she didn't know how to tell me this, but she uh, <laughs> booked us out of our home. Our, our bedroom was, she booked for two weeks. <laughs> and uh, so we did not have a home for two weeks. And uh, so we had to go sleep in one of our friend's houses who had just sold their house with no furniture. Uh, they were already gone to North Carolina, but they hadn't closed on it yet. So 
we had an air mattress in an empty house for two weeks and I slept on the floor. And so rather than get disturbed about this, I, I said, Cindy, I guess, I guess you're really serious about this. You really want to be an innkeeper. And so to me, it was a matter of self-preservation and wanting to come home and find a bed every time I go home from work. So, I mean, that was kind of uh, my side of the story. Now, Cindy can tell you a little bit more about the hospitality side of it, why, why we want to do this. Well, I love the hustler mentality right off the bat. <laughs> right. Like, hey, I'm just gonna rent our bed. <laughs> that, was, that was one of the rules when we bought the inn, when we bought the big house. He said, never, ever rent our bedroom out, ever. So I haven't. We have the whole third floor to ourselves, kind of, and um, I just, I just like people. I, they're, they're fascinating. They're interesting. I like taking care of them. Um, the University of Florida sends a lot of the Jewish study people to me. They have, they have speakers come in. Okay. And Jewish men, there's a stereotype, and they don't know like how to hit the button for the coffee pot. And so they'll wander around with their coffee cup looking for coffee. I just think that's adorable. It might make some other people like, come on, guy, take care of yourself. But I just think it's adorable to hear, let me help you. So I like doing that kind of stuff, like taking care of people. I was a paralegal before, well, while we were, when I booked us out of our house. And um, I used to come in and get coffee for my secretary because I just, I think that's, it's, I guess I have a servant's heart. I like taking care of people. Awesome. She's got like that access, is that the love language acts of service? Yes, mm-hmm. servant yeah. leader there. Yeah, very good. Well, so, I mean, so now you've had it for how long? Since we opened May 1st, 1991. No, May 3rd, 1991. We opened on graduation weekend. Dumbest thing we've ever done. <laughs> Why, just because it was crazy? It, it was crazy. Okay. I, I mean, we hadn't slept for days because we started taking bookings for graduation weekend before we were even had the house painted. We were um, polyurethaneing floors the night before mm. guests were checking in. And then that night, people were there. I had no idea who they were because I was so tired and I was standing in front of the oven with a, a pan of cookies and I was gonna make cookies and I realized I had no idea how to turn the oven on. And I was too <laughs> tired so my neighbor came over and he said just, Go to bed. I'll make the cookies for you. But it was it was an experience. So I mean, in that process, that startup process, mm-hmm. I mean, the the passion came from strictly from visiting uh, these other places. Well, you know it, <laughs> and then the and the accumulation of her just being like, all right, I'm gonna <laughs> well, she, out of she, bed. See, I mean, it's kind of interesting because you know, I mean, I when I grew up, I grew up in a small town, Vero Beach, Florida, family moved there in the '50s from New York, and and uh, they, they built a new house. And uh, then when I was in high school, my parents built another new house. And, and I, this old house thing was something that was totally foreign to me. And Cindy's from Cleveland, Ohio, and she lived in old houses. And she, so basically, when we bought our house in Orlando, that was our first old house. So that was a transition for me. And, uh, and I found that I loved it, I loved the warmth. Uh, I think an old space kind of absorbs everything that's ever happened to it since it was built. And there are happy homes and there, there are homes that aren't so happy. You know, you could go in and have a feeling for these things. So when we came to a decision to go ahead and, and actually do an inn, we, you know, we tried to find a place in Orlando to do it. We couldn't find one that would work. And so we, uh, we looked all around the state and you know, we got married here in Gainesville when I was in college back in 1977. And so we came back to Gainesville. 
And it just so happens that uh, in the fall of 1989, the city wrote the bed and breakfast ordinance to allow a B&B to be in the city of Gainesville. And so six months later, we were the two idiots, decided to go ahead and be the first. And so uh, our neighborhood, uh, and I think Colin told you when you were, when you, we stayed there, it was a kind of like a hippie ghetto. Um, in fact, you know, rumors are that, you know, a house up, you know, Tom Petty lived there in 1969. And uh, so it, it, it hadn't changed much for, you know, for decades. So a lot of people uh, didn't think that that would be a great location, you know, but we, we felt connected. Like you said, by the grace of God, you know, you get feeling for a place. And in fact, we, we bought the house on Easter Sunday in 1990. So we brought my parents with us to try to talk us out of it. They didn't. And they didn't. They, they, they did not talk us out <laughs> no, of it. they failed. And so, so the, doing this, we, you know, we, being the first, I mean, it was, it was really rough the first 10 years because we were surrounded, you know, by uh, a lot of, you know, college students uh, and people that had kind of nocturnal habits and they weren't conducive for people to sleep, you know, in our bed and breakfast. And so that's why we ended up buying the surrounding properties the first 10 years to change the environment. Joe spent a lot of time during the first five years or so um, giving tours in the middle of the night to police officers because there'd be some disturbance going on and we'd have to call the police and the police would come over and they'd go, so what are you guys doing here? And I'd hear voices downstairs and I'd go down, peek around the corner and there's a police officer standing in the hallway with Joe. He's like, oh, and this is one of our bedrooms. And he's just, <laughs> that's what we had to do. Just, just a tame, to kind of change the environment to make it conducive. But you know, it, the hospitality business is something that we, we love because uh, we love people. That's a lot of things. Uh, that's the most important ingredient of, of starting an inn. You know, a, lot of, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, I want to live in an old house, I just can't figure out how to pay for it. Or I love baking, or I love gardening, or I love entertaining. If, if you don't love people, I mean, people will burn you to a crisp. I mean, and, that, and so the average life expectancy of an innkeeper in this country is like three to six years. And we, we've been doing it for almost 30 years. So you, that's why I said insanity runs multiple generations uh, <laughs> in our background here to keep this up. But the people part are what re-energizes. Every time somebody comes in, like when, when, you, when you and Shannon came in, you know, you were interested in the place. A lot of people feel they get us, you know, why we're doing this. And it's not because we want to maintain 14,000 square feet of rotting timber. You know, I, I, I tell people that, you know, Cindy and I are actually deities. We were worshiped by all the termites that live in our place. We, we provide homes, they, they have, little, a lot. They have yeah. little photographs of Cindy on your little termite hole. So, you know, so we are, you know, we are worshiped by termites, so we're doing something good there. But joking aside, we, we've done, we feel that this went way beyond the end. It, what happened when we got here, it helped catalyze the redevelopment of our neighborhood. And we have, and as I you know, mentioned here, we have some of the best neighbors in the world. We have the, what we call the, the Sucker Club. Uh, we have talked 18 people into buying houses in our neighborhood since we started this thing. And they, they still love us for some reason, but, uh, but we are great gatherers of, of people. So uh, we kind of recreated our neighborhood and restored it and to, to one of the nicest places to live, I think, in Gainesville now, so, and work. So. so was it like kind of self-funded from what you guys were doing before? <laughs> yeah, there's never enough money. Yeah, we, we sold our house. And you know that place that you stayed in? Yeah. That's our 401k. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, we that, went, when, yeah. we, when we first started, we had enough seed money to get it going. And then we realized that we were going to need money for startups. So we went to five banks in town. And when we 
walked out of the Fifth Bank and realized these people are laughing at us. We went to the city of Gainesville. The economic development officer at that time was David Roquet, and he said, I think I've got a way to do this. And every year the city gets grant money, and he said, I can give you this grant money if we can find somebody, well, not give it, loan it. Loan it to us, yeah. Um, if we can find somebody who will do permanent financing. So he was able to loan us the money, but they'd never done it. It was like a construction loan, but they'd never done it because it's like, you know, you pour the slab and then you get 20%. Yeah. Well, the slab was always there. The walls were already there. Everything was already there. It's just that, so we had to come up with a new payment structure with the city and the city of Gainesville would loan us the money to restore it. And then once it was restored, um, a small business administration bank up in Chipley, Florida made us a construction loan because there was one person on one board of the bank who said, you wanna loan money on this? It's an old house with five different colors. <laughs> so, so we realized we weren't going to get much help out of the banks in Gainesville, but we did find a bank in Chipley. And then after that, we've the banks in town started to believe in this and uh, Gil Levy, has been our banker for years and years and years. He has, he's just one of those people You have to that, have a non-banking brain to go loan yeah. money on something like this because it doesn't make sense on, on paper. But no. so, so anyway, so we get, we get the money for the construction loan, but the stipulation was we have 120 days to restore that house mm-hmm. and get it operational before they would take it out. So we, I started an engineering office at the same time we were, we were doing this restoration. So we managed to get open and so here we, in May of graduation, uh, we, we're to a full house like Cindy was saying. So we get into June uh, at, and we have no guests. And then we get into the first, second week of July, no guests. And of course, your expenses are the highest in the summertime because of air conditioning. So I'm sitting there one day writing, writing checks out <clears throat> and I said to Joe, maybe God just wanted us to restore this house and then sell it. Maybe. And Joe said, no, our dream is to open the bed and breakfast, not to restore an old house. And I said, I, I can't, I, we, we don't even have enough money to pay the electric bills. Things have not changed much since then. But, um, so he realized that we were about to get into a blow up. So he walked out of the kitchen and he came smart, back. Smart, smart decision, yeah. Joe. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's wise like that. Listen, yeah. I mean, 42 years of marriage teaches you a lot. You you. But he walks out and he comes back in and he's got this look on his face and I said, is everything okay? And he hands me an envelope and he said, how can you believe in, how can you not believe in our dream when other people believe in it more than you? And I didn't know what he was talking about. So I opened the envelope up and there inside was a $500 um, American Express money order. And the remitter was from a grateful guest for a life-changing experience. Now we'd had 14 guests for crying out loud <laughs> since the time we, who in the world could have done that? So me being me, first thing I did the next morning was I got on the phone, called the bank, and I said, who who sent this money order? And they said, they 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 looked it up and they said, oh, they wanted to be, re, they wanted to be named anonymous. And um, 
I said, well, I, I want to know so I know who to thank. And they said, no, I'm sorry, they don't want you to know. who." So somebody just dropped $500 into our Into lab. our mailbox, mm-hmm. yeah. And about two weeks later. Please note, please note, yeah. you can drop $500 to my <laughs> mailbox <laughs> anytime you like. I'm sure, Florida, I'm sure Lazy right? would take Come it anytime. Yeah, I mean, so. I have a lot of kids to feed. <laughs> yeah, so anytime you want to just drop $500 to a mailbox, that address would be 633 <laughs> Northwest 13th Street. <laughs> Gainesville, Florida, three two six zero one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so about, uh, sorry, I, sorry for I'm my... glad for that infomercial. Hopefully, it works for you guys. But uh, two about two weeks later, uh, you know, we were we were in church, and uh, um, one of the people we'd come to know was a was an ophthalmologist here in town, and she uh, she kind of befriended us. You know, she helped uh, with some of the restoration work. We got to know her, so. Uh, she, we're leaving we church. We had a lot of volunteers. And uh, people just showed up. She, uh, she, she hands us an envelope and said, "Don't open this till after I'm gone." And so we sit down outside the church, and then uh, we open the envelope, and there is a check in there for five thousand dollars, and a note. And uh, she said in the note, she said, "I know you guys are hurting right now, and I, I believe this is going to help you get through this summer. And uh, Gaines will need you guys." So you can think of this as a loan, a gift, or whatever, but I just want you guys to have it. And so we, it got us through that summer, and Cindy you know, made sure that we, we never used, what did you do with the check, actually? Well, what I did was I deposited the check, but I never, this was back when you had a check register, mm-hmm. um, back in the olden days, um, <laughs> before QuickBooks. Um, I put the money, I deposited the money in the account, but I never added it into my check register. So I pretended it like it wasn't there, and I was never, more than $4,995 overdrawn at any time. Now the $5,000 was in there, but I just wasn't adding it to my balance. So it it I it was exactly down to $5 what we needed to get through our first year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So so, you know, and I I think the people, you know, that were involved with us to help us get this off. I mean, you know, without the people in the community and the new friends we made when we got here, we would never, we wouldn't be here right now, you know. And because I, I, so we think we, we've done something good, you know, by not just creating a bed and breakfast, but the impact it had on our neighborhood. I mean, we were meant to be there. Yeah, you've had such the, influence. Yeah. How many bed and breakfasts are down there now? Four. four. Yeah, four. It was, I mean, we opened first, and then Sweetwater opened a couple years after that. And then to show how non competitive we are, um, we had a, our, like our second employee, uh, Megan was her name, and her parents were guests of ours. And they were sitting there one day and they said, we hate our lives, we hate our lives, we hate our lives, we wanna do something different. And Joe said, I've got an idea. And so he took them to the house next door to us and said, this would be a great bed and breakfast <clears throat> in. And Monta at the time looked in the windows and he said, what stupid fool. Whatever buy. Who would this? be so stupid to buy a house yeah. like this? Because so, it was it was empty, and, and it was bad. The only thing holding the house together were termites holding hands. I mean, it was really, <laughs> really far gone. <clears throat> but he. Uh, three months later. Yeah, three months later, he was looking at himself. Him and Peggy were looking at themselves in the mirror, and so they they were they were the, uh, the right next door to us at the Laurel looking. They, they in fact they just sold it. They had it for eighteen years. Yeah, and then Joe's cousin and her husband came to visit us for their twenty fifth wedding anniversary, and they took to the inn like ducks to water. They were in the kitchen helping me, serving food, talking to the guests. She was helping me make the breakfast. Uh, 
the next week, after after they left, the next week they're on their way up to Mount Dora. They called Joe and said, there's an inn in Mount Dora. We're thinking about buying it. We love this. And Joe went, mm, 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 no, no. Joe, come north. I'm going to show you something else. So the next week they came. He showed him another house up the street. It, at the time, it belonged to Dr. and Mary Barrow. Dr. Barrow and his wife, Mary. And um, they had the Victoria Apartments. And Dr. Barrow wanted to sell it. And so he said, sure, you can buy, but you gotta buy two of them. So Patricia and Tom um, bought those two and restored one of them into the Camellia Rose Inn. So now we've got our friends, Bonta and Peggy, who were living next to us. <laughs> it's now sold, but the people who bought it are really nice. And now we have cousins who live next door to us, or two doors away from us. So we've got, we've got our, our we're like squirrels. We, like collect nuts. <laughs> yeah, and you have to be a nut to want to buy an, yeah. an old house in that neighborhood. <laughs> well, so like you're going out and you're actively recruiting people into the neighborhood to buy these other bed and breakfasts, but aren't, like, isn't it competition in a way? Mm-mm. The first at first when the Hampton Inn opened up downtown, I was beside myself. Panic attacks constantly. Oh my God, they're going to take business away. And Joe's, Joe's like Tigger. He's like always everything's wonderful. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm a little bit more like Eeyore. So um, a little. <laughs> so he said he said it's going to be okay. It's going to bring more people into downtown. You know, it's hard to say this, but he was right. He was absolutely right. It did. It brings more people into town. That's so. the first time she said that for the record. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's we'll, we'll cut that little <laughs> thank you. Oh, segment and send it to you so you can replay it over. Thanks, and over. Appreciate that. No Nathan. problem. But but the Hampton Inn has actually helped us. So now we've got you know because there's more people downtown. Anything that helps downtown, we're huge promoters of downtown. We just think downtown is is unique and it's authentic and it's what other places are trying to be. But do you ever have a room that isn't like rented out and your neighbors do have a room and you're not like, I can't believe that they have <laughs> I mean, I'm just So I'm just straight up, I'm a very competitive business person. So I'm just trying to well, wrap my ha- head around the bed and breakfast <laughs> we walk, competition if we there walk is our, one. We walk our dog, Abby, at night and there are times when I'll walk by the Laurel Oak Inn and go, dang. Count cars in the parking got, lot. They've got <laughs> six cars in the parking lot. We don't have we don't have any, what's going on? But there's times when I'm booked and they're not. So it's just, it. you get a feel for what goes on. It's, and to see, like I was saying, it's not just about the bed and breakfast. I mean, it's you gotta have enough faith to know that if you're doing something good, and which in our case, I think, the contributions to restoring the neighborhood and gathering a bunch of people that, that appreciate it. I think as long as we're doing that, we'll survive. It hasn't been easy. And, you know, between the recession, uh, which, you know, almost took us out um, since 2008, and, and then some of the new things coming up, not so new, but like Airbnb and other things definitely have, you know, an impact on us. Yeah, can we talk about that for a little bit? Yes, yeah. Right, you can finish what you're okay, gonna say, well, so, I would love to hear about so, that. So one of the things, um, uh, that we did when the recession started, we became, you know, pet friendly uh, in our cottages. And there's a whole bunch of people that that travel with with their dogs uh, mostly, cats once in a while, snakes. He's saying parrots. this as our cat is meowing outside of the door <laughs> right, we, here we, in the we, studio. He we, wants in so bad. He's like, "What are you guys doing? Yeah. Let me into the studio right now." You should have brought him to the inn. He would have been welcome. <laughs> so these, uh, so 
becoming pet friendly. And, and then, of course, we have uh, the vet school at Shands, which brings in people from all over the country because uh, we have people come as far as Canada bringing their dogs for cancer treatment mm-hmm. and things like that. And so people coming in with pets has been one way that we, you know, we have you know, changed our market approach. And it, it's been welcome. And like Cindy is uh, saying, which I, she don't want to say this on, on, on the air, but, you know, shouldn't. one of the things is what she said, you know, uh, bring your pets, board your children. You know, that's what you no, know. I mean. Listen, I would never bring my children to your bed and breakfast. But but we are we are we are very children friendly in our cottages too. So there, there's something there for everybody. So you have to uh, adapt with that market now. And the Cindy came up with that marketing plan, which was which helped us during the recession. Now, uh, the Airbnb impact. Uh, you know, as you may or may not know, uh, we have to be inspected. Uh, four times a year by division hotel motels, just like any hotel or restaurant. We have a restaurant license, we have a hotel license, uh, and we have to have insurance, and we have to have life safety code uh, requirements for fire sprinklers and all these things. Food management license. Food management license. So if you Airbnb now, you know, if anyone just wants to rent a room in their house, they don't have to comply with with all the things that we had, yet they're competing with us to, uh, to a degree. I mean, what we offer is, I think, is a little more special because... You know, we, we're uh, we're we have an in business where we you know we have a whole experience that we provide our guests. A lot of Airbnbs are some, sometimes a, a room in someone's house, or sometimes, uh, which we have the most problem with, is people buying houses in our neighborhood, don't even live there, and it's empty, and they're renting the whole house as Airbnb. So, we uh, we are involved with with the city now to try to level the playing field a little better to at least. The Airbnb should be registered, they should get a business license, and they should have some kind of inspection and then meet life safety codes. And so, pay their taxes. And Oh, and pay their taxes, because you know, we have to pay bed tax, tourist tax, uh, and sales tax. So uh, we think if this, if they, the city helps us with this a little bit, that it might level the playing field. A lot of people don't want to hassle you know, with inspections and getting a business license, so it may decrease the number of, of, of Airbnbs out there and help us a little bit. But, it's, but it has impact, and mm-hmm. mostly on Cindy's stomach. That's the impact, uh, <laughs> you know, she- uh, In she, my fingernails. <laughs> she has, uh, you know, she, she runs the business, basically. Because you know, I'm a civil engineer, and I have a one-person consulting business, which operate out, out of the end. Uh, I operate my business out of the end, so. But uh, that, well, that's, that's the, the thing we're dealing with now. The one thing that I, and I think it's fine that, that you are working with the city and trying to do all that. The one thing that I've definitely learned is that the playing field is always going to change. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if you're not just aware of, of that and, and, will, and willing to be adaptable and flexible and, and work, then that's when you can get in trouble. I mean, we're kind of we're kind of looking at this the same way a little bit from the scooter side of things. There's, you know, it's funny in January of 2018, I uh, I saw these little these bird electric scooters hitting hitting markets across the United States, and I was like, hmm, I wonder if that has any traction. And I actually messaged a couple of distributors and said, hey, th- I think we should keep our eye on this. This is interesting. And I got, ah, oh, no, that'll never work. That, you know, it was just kind of like just very naively saying, ah, I don't, that's not gonna get any traction. Eight months later, the company Bird is a $2 billion company. Wow. <laughs> Dropping these things off in cities all over the place. And like, I'm keeping tabs, like I know they're gonna hit, they're gonna hit Gainesville. I'm like, the city's already talking about it. So of course, like from a scooter standpoint, I'm like, all right, how, how does this look? What do like, so we're trying to see what we need to do to be adaptable if, if this is something that we need to change or maybe it's something that we can be a part of. Um, 
or going back to the experience, right? That we have unique value in what we offer and those are last last mile transportation is what they get called a lot. It's not main transportation. People aren't gonna drive these things across the city. So we have to look at, you know, how are we gonna very differentiate ourselves and, and continuously communicate that experience? Because I think that's the key there for you guys especially is that, that, you know, here we always talk about the UCE, the ultimate customer experience. And that's something that you guys definitely offer. Well, and it's what sets you apart. Like I, in my experiences in bed and breakfast, like I'm going to be treated so nicely to be pampered to be cooked for you know those are things that you're not going to get in your airbnb experience so to play on those strengths that you have yeah that's absolutely right so the customer experience is just fantastic at at your bed and breakfast (laughs) but you know there's there's the airbnb thing there's some people who just want and i i I don't have a problem with airbnb joe and i when we go places because we have our dog we spend a lot of time in airbnbs sure and there's there's not a problem with them but the the playing field let's Mm -hmm. let's level the playing field let's and there's some people who are doing it right they're paying their taxes but there's a life safety issue and that that's one of the things that people need to look at there's a life safety there was an article just in the paper that there was a guy went to an airbnb in miami and he realized that there was a camera pointing at his bed. Yeah. That's creepy. <laughs> Very creepy. You don't want to see For the that. record, for the record, we have no cameras at Magnolia Plantation. But I do have Praise. nest and control, control your thermostat. You control the thermostat. We were talking about that before. Though. Have a nest can control the thermostat. Don't, you know, don't, uh, you know, let's open the windows and turn the AC down to 67 <laughs> degrees. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, Cindy will just adjust it. That's with, right. With, with the next. No. Well, I mean, so, I mean, talk about, you, you know, you said when you guys, when you leave, when you travel and stuff, I mean, I think that this is something, I mean, as innkeepers, you know, like how often do you guys get to take a break and leave? Um, six years ago, I got a phone call. We have a phone on our back door and some, Young lady called me and she said, um, from the back door, and she said, hi, my name is Cassidy Hill and I just graduated from the University of Alabama <laughs> and um, I got an internship with the local TV station. I'm a sports reporter and I need a place to stay for three months and I need, I need to work though too. And I was wondering if you had anything like that. Well, Joe and I have our third floor where we live. We have two bedrooms and two bathrooms up there and his office, and I thought, eh, you know, she's gonna be here for a month, then we're leaving for a month, and usually we just kinda piece together trying to keep the inn going, and I don't take a whole lot of guests, just like my regulars, who are okay with me being gone, or who don't know that I'm gonna be gone, and <clears throat> I uh, I said, you know, yeah, let's give it a try, it's three months, not a big deal. Um, Six months later, she's or six years later, she's still here. She, <laughs> she just she hasn't stayed. I've been asked, resident. Yeah, I've yeah, been trying to ask much. her father if we could take her off on our income tax, and it's not happening. But <laughs> but she's she's a she takes over when I'm gone, and she takes the phones. She's got the phones now. She takes the phones. She takes care of the guests. She can do full bed and breakfast. She can handle anything. So. She's allowed to. Stay. She's not disconnected. Cindy um, is involved even when we're gone every single day. And I even her, look at the nest when I'm gone. Her, uh, <laughs> her, her comfort level. Uh, Cassidy is is probably 
of all the people that have been in and out of our lives over the last three decades, uh, she's come closest to giving Cindy comfort when we leave. But uh, you never really disconnect. Uh, it's like having a two-year-old that's that's never grown up. That's how the end is. I mean, you're you're connected seven days a week because you know there's some things that um, you feel that you can delegate and leave with other people, but there. You know, our main concern is, uh, in which Cassie does very well, is hospitality. Treat our guests the way we would. Because if your guests come in and they, they even if they have something that goes wrong, uh, if they get who you are and what your intent is, they're very forgiving. And they will, you know, forgive anything that happens as long as they feel that you have your their best interests at heart. So that's, that's, that's yeah, one thing different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, things happen when you have, you know, houses that are over 100 years old. I mean, you know, we have 14 air conditioning compressors in the summer. And when the, exactly the first hottest day of the summer is when the one goes out. And it's usually on a Saturday mm-hmm. at After 5 p.m. Right. Uh, you know, so it, it, that's, that's the kind of thing you have to be, you know, you get used to. But, but basically, you know, we, our guests are, are great. I mean, uh, we're very fortunate. I can count on one hand. And we've had thousands and thousands of guests. One hand, how many guests that really... Had, shouldn't have been there, shouldn't have come into our lives. But, and uh, it's always a challenge. You know, if they come in grumpy, Cindy puts them with me because yeah. she thinks I can have some magic, uh, magical spell I can cast on them. But it, it's a challenge sometimes, you know, when you get people in there that, uh, you know, a lot of times, like you said, you know, when couples, you know, you know uh, come to us, you know, run away from the kids' night or anniversaries, birthdays, whatever, um, sometimes one spouse plans it and the other one doesn't know anything about it. And those are the most challenging ones. Mm. And it's always, you know, because, you know, one, why, why am I here? You know, kind of thing. And uh, it's, it's fun to see the transformation, even over a, a weekend, how, you know, they finally get it and they relax. And, they, and, and we feel like, like I said, we feel like we've done something good. These people to provide a couple of days out of their normal environment, like we did, you know, for you and Shannon. Yeah. So yeah. I was thinking about, did I book it? And I'm like, no, my Did Angela, know my about uh, she, yeah, I let her know after it was already booked, but it was more like, don't don't have any plans this weekend. This is what oh, we're doing. Can you talk to my husband about that? Yeah, let me text him right <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I want to speak to you guys having, you know, working together. It's a husband and wife team owning this operation, and you also live there, so you're running this business basically, essentially, out of your home. You know, what are some I think I think there are lots of people in that situation. So, what are some what are some tips that you have, or things that you found over these decades to say to keep your marriage intact, to not kill each other, you know, and to and because you're twenty four seven there with your work, you know, what are some tips that you have for you know that refresher so you stay focused and you stay on top of your A game and not not drained. Here, here's here's a motto: render unto Cindy's what is Cindy's. <laughs> Happy like wife. She like said happy it at wife. the same time. Happy wife, happy life. Yeah, pretty much. That's great. We, we both know each other's strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. And like when the cranky people come in, it's like, hey, baby, take care of them. Yeah. And it's just, it's just we know what each other can do well. But there's times it's, it's challenging. You think we're in each other's airspace all day long. And there's times when I actually have to go into the bathroom to call him on the phone just to have a conversation. Because it's just, yeah. there's people around us all the time. We've become marathon eaters. We can eat dinner in 10 minutes or less. If you want a hot meal, uh huh, you gotta eat quickly because guests will come in right in the mm-hmm. middle of it. Yeah. And we've also, they, 
people used to ask what the difference is between the bed and breakfast, and I'd say, well, this was when the Laurel Oak Inn was owned by somebody else. I'd say, what, when you go to the Laurel Oak Inn and you want a glass of wine, he'll get up and pour it for you. There may even be a cloth over his arm as he's pouring it. Your glass will never be empty, but you will never see the wine bottle. When you're at the Camellia Rose Inn and you want a glass of wine, it'll be, um, come here, let me show you where it is. Here's the glass, I'll pour it for you. If you want any more, help yourself. And when you're at Mayan and you want a glass of wine, I say, it's over there and while you're up, could you pour me a glass? Yes. So we're probably the most laid back and I think you got to figure out you got to you got to draw your lines in the sand, mm-hmm. and you got to figure out what works for Boundaries. you. Boundaries. Mm-hmm. And the 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 whole turning the bed down thing. The first time I went up into someone's room to turn their bed down, and their bed was in the middle of the room. They had literally moved it to the middle of the room, and I couldn't figure out where the comforter started and where the blankets ended. And the pillows were it like in four corners of the bed. And I walked downstairs and I went, Joe, I don't know what to do. And he goes, I think they figured out how to get into the bed. Let's stop doing this, okay? So I just, that day was the day I stopped turning beds down for people. It's like, you can figure it out. Get in yourself. Lacey, I, I, I think, uh, you know, to more to the point of your question, I think the, uh, you know, when you marry your best friend, Okay, you can work together because you like spending time with each other. I, I'd rather spend time with Cindy than anybody else on the planet. And so that, I mean, and I believe she feels the same way. Uh, we, Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, but but it, I think in, you know, in working together. The other thing is, like I said, she, you know, I have, I take care of my engineering business during the day. I mean, we're in the same airspace, but we're, we're not, you know, competing for things. And we, and we sometimes we have different ideas of how things should be done. And it depends on, if one or the other, we can convince each other, you know, of another way to do things. And a lot of negotiation. Mm. Yeah, a lot of negotiation. So, but but we both we both know, and you know, hearts and soul, that we know that you know we know each other well enough to know that uh, you know we can come to some kind of agreement and compromise on some things uh, that that maybe are a little more sensitive nature. So, I mean, and the longer you do it, the easier it gets. So you know, so it's been been a long. A long time since 1971, so. <laughs> <laughs> What's, I mean, it sounds like there's been a good handful of challenges, but what would you say has been the biggest over all of these years? Was it the recession or, mm-hmm. yeah? Yeah, I, I, I think so. Because we, we still haven't gotten over that. Because, you know, we, we've had, we had to dig ourselves into a hole just to keep the place afloat. When uh, back 2011 was probably the, the worst year. You know, we've been climbing back since then, but 2007 was the best year we had uh, since we opened our, our place in '91, and we we're not up to 2007 levels uh, yet. Um, and you know, maybe we'll get. We may, we may never get back to those levels, but so that, that that's a, you know, it the, uh, the like our operating expenses. I mean, we pay almost fifty thousand dollars a year to Gainesville Regional Utilities. You know, and. We don't have energy efficient, I mean, homes. I mean, our, the main house has 54 leaky windows. I mean, the best job at Magnolia Plantation is a house painter in, in July because they paint around the windows and never leave those areas because the AC just pours out the windows. Oh so it's, you can stay cool in July if you're a painter, a painter mm-hmm. house. But it's, uh, that, that sort of challenges, operating expenses and insurance and things like that. Um, you know, it, it's not a, 
it's not a money-making thing. It's it's, it's a, a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle it, or a vocation. If you love taking care of people and you know preserving you know some of our history, it's a great way to spend your life. So someday, if we decide to sell it, but uh, you know we may realize you know some you know uh, hopefully that like I said that's our four hundred one k. You know we may live off that, but. Cindy and I have decided that we don't. We're going to do this till we walk off the planet. Because just, as, we, just as if the bank wants it, which we're not even close to that. But if the bank ever wanted this place, they'd have to come pry the keys out of my cold dead hands. Yeah, we're, yeah it's just this is this is our life. What what else would we do? We're we're not the kind of people to just sit in a rocking chair and do nothing. We no, like we, what we're doing. We're inspired. My, my father uh, and mother are going to be 86 years old um, in May. And my father is the uh, oldest registered practicing landscape architect in the state of Florida, still working full time. And uh, they made a ha- maintain a house on five acres in, in Vero Beach, where, where I'm from. And uh, they're kind of our inspiration. I mean, you know, if you can, and my father is still a contractor too. He's still on jobs he designs, like the small projects. He's still laying brick and planting plants at wow, almost 86 cool. years of age. So, uh, you know, I, I attribute a lot of it to our, our Sicilian ancestry. You know, it's just kind of a, you know, this kind of, you know, work until you, you leave, you know, that kind of thing. And my grandfather was the same way. So we have like kind of vocation. We can get up every morning. We know what we're going to do. So, you know, uh, retirement to us is not, you know, living someplace and uh, on a golf course. I mean, you know, we don't even play golf. But, you know, I just, uh, you know, it, it, I know your friends all playing golf. But, you know, but it, but I, I think, you know, the, what, as long as people will keep coming, you know, we're going to we're going to be there. So yeah, I'm the guy who doesn't play golf and has a co-host who's a professional golfer. <laughs> like, I mean, Ty could give me some epic lessons in golf. And I'm just like, yeah, I got it. A business to that run. motto of I'll sleep in the grave yeah <laughs> right, so, yeah, right so, exactly uh, so I'm kind of reflecting back to just a few minutes ago with this bedroom in the middle of the room oh bad, I mean yeah. like what's so what's the craziest thing that's happened okay. over all of your years as hosts yeah. Yes, I, do it. Well, he's going to edit everything out of here. So <laughs> I'm not editing anything. <laughs> so, so spill it. <laughs> we're, we're laying in bed one night, and we have rim locks on our doors. It, it's it's an old thing, mm-hmm. an old house thing. So all of a sudden, the door starts rattling. Mm-hmm. And I said, Joe, what is that? And I said, is it the wind? What's happening? And all of a sudden, he takes the pillow and flops it over his face, and he's kicking his legs in the air laughing. And he goes, I hope they're finished before the house implodes. <laughs> oh, Lord. And I went, what? No. What is, what is, imp- well, you know, it's, did okay. you say implode? Uh, uh, well, pretty much. Uh, we I learned, learned about Galloping Gertie that well, night. Well, Galloping Gertie is a bridge that went into Renaissance, uh, re- re- no, Resonance, Resonance. And, uh, and, and actually imploded. It's, you have to be an engineer to kind of know all this stuff. Uh, <laughs> I learned but, about but it that we night. Had, uh, we had uh, our room, one of the rooms on the second floor is the Gardenia room. And, and the bed she in that room was against the wall. Oh, Lord. And uh, basically, that, that's the center of gravity, if you would be, or center of the house. It's in the middle floor. And... Uh, basically, uh, because of the way the house is built, it's called balloon framing. So balloon framing is when you have these long timbers, you, you build the outside like a barn uh, in 1885, and you connect the first, second, and third floor, so you get these long columns. So the house 
uh, has a slate roof on it, so a very heavy roof. So with strong winds or motion, it'll actually move. When we had the storm of the century in 93, I mean, our, we, were, we had a water bed on the third floor and actually surfs up, you know, the water. <laughs> we actually had wave action because of the 90 mile per hour gusts moving the house. So, wow. so anyway, this bed was in the, um, uh, in the center of the house, so to speak. And so this couple, was, was, I guess it was a very special night uh, that went on and on and on. And uh, so uh, they, they, the bed uh, was in the center and their whatever motion put the house in motion. And, 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 I, and it was kind of <laughs> and enough to actually, I mean, move things around. Uh, and uh, so I had, because of my engineering background, I, I figured this out and I put the bed at an angle in that room in the corner, so they couldn't put the motion. <laughs> putting the, I mean, it's something that you would never think of, you know. But you know, obviously, people are very happy and they engage in all kinds of things. Uh, they're very comfortable at their house, and I never thought that that, but that they could actually, you know, move a house. I mean, I could see the couple. <laughs> <laughs> What's the well, anyway, it's just some kind of really bizarre. Uh, would you like to give them a shout out on Facebook? Uh, no, we, no, we'll, we'll we tag them. No, we wouldn't. But, <laughs> but the other thing is, we learned in the, we learned that we had to put all the beds at least six inches away from the, the, the walls in the house, because I mean, other, I remember one one night we were up uh, the Azalea room right below us on the third floor. Uh, I mean, this this went on like every thirty minutes. I mean, oh, the Lord. head the banging <laughs> and yeah, screaming, and I Joe told. I, to I, shake the guy's hand. I, I said, this is the world's, book, world's Guinness Book of Records. This can't possibly. I mean, this was long before there were any funny things that you could take for that. But, you know, back in the late 90s. But, you know, I mean, I, I could not believe it. I mean, I, I could not. I, the whole night, every 30 minutes, I woke up, you know, and. See, normal people don't think of these things. No. no. Do, you, do you remember the. Uh, you, know how, uh, uh, you know how Led Zeppelin's song, Whole Lot of Love, starts off? Do you know? Yeah, okay, yeah, right, exactly. I mean, you know, every 30 minutes, that screaming and banging. And so, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Just that's part of the stuff they don't tell you about in keeping. You know, you just, but it, that, it goes with the property. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. So pretty much that's what hilarious. you're saying is Absolutely. when I come, I, I shouldn't stay in the gardenia room. Or, yeah, <laughs> if or I'm, the Azalea If I'm looking room. to have fun. <laughs> yeah, you're right. No, you, you, you know, we, we'd prefer if you're going to have fun, go to an outbuilding. Oh we like gosh. to sleep at night. Go to the cottage, please. Yeah. <laughs> This has been just as great as I thought it would be. I'm like, I remember when I was talking to them at breakfast, like I'm just I'm like, oh, you guys would be great. This this would be so much fun. <laughs> so, oh, we got to get to wrapping things up. But Lacey, you have any? I'm gonna give you the last question of yeah. the day. Well, I'm super curious since you've been here and you moved back. I'm I want to know how. Gainesville has changed since 1991 and what you you know how you guys have seen the changes and how you've worked through those so tell us how Gainesville has changed because I've been here since 2003 so I'm like in my sweet 16 year here and it's changed so much since I've been here Um, but 1991 gosh give us some wisdom there downtown was a ghost town there was just nothing really down there what what three restaurants or something like that yeah I mean, wow. there was Amelia's. You went to Amelia's seven oh six, and mm-hmm. I don't know what else. Yeah, there, there was there's shopping. There was some non-existent things. There, there are certain things that that are are gone that we wish were still there, though. Um, what was that place that we used to go? Um, the uh, pharmacy where it had the old Wise's Wise's, Wise's Farm. pharmacy. We, we missed yeah. that. And then uh, there was a bookstore downtown yeah. uh, that uh, next was next to Lillian's. Yeah, next to Lillian's. Uh, that, Mike's that's bookstore. Mike's bookstore. Yeah. I mean, some things that, that we kind of. Oh yeah, the hardware. Rice's hardware. You should be able to go down 
we have an old house, right? You could they had parts like from 1880 in that where in that little hardware store, which was kind of cool. But uh, but the the growth, um, I mean. Even since we were here, and we were, you know, we were here when I went to school back in the mid '70s. Mm-hmm. There was about 26,000 students that time, and uh, and then we got back in '90, and then uh, there were probably what you know what 40, 50,000 mm-hmm. students maybe when we got back. But I, I think what we've seen is uh, Gainesville is is kind of growing up. I mean, you know, uh, there's we, we knew there was a possibility that uh, that there would be growth here to, to attract people here. I think a lot of people that our baby boomers from our generation are now looking at Gainesville uh, for retirement, which is something that was that wasn't like that in '91. Sure. Uh, people are coming here. Uh, it's it was. I mean, Depot Park and. Oh gosh, they, D- Depot Park. Under yeah. they under what did they do about our light fixtures? Underground. Oh yeah, the, the uh, like the the uh, we had to witness a lot of. Uh, uh, you know, when, when the, the utility company comes around and, t- and hacks all the branches off your trees on your street because utility lines, uh, we, we lobbied for about 17 years to get the utilities underground. So they, they put it underground and put street lights on our streets. And that, that, that changed a lot of things for us. I mean, it's a, one of the brightest places to be in downtown, you know, as yeah, a neighbor right now. Yeah, it's beautiful when you're going down the street. It's just the old-fashioned yeah. light yeah, fixtures. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, there have been a lot of uh, a lot of things that, uh, a lot of positive things that have happened. I mean, some things are gone, like we said, that we kind of miss. But I think overall, all the growth has been good because a lot of people have moved into our neighborhood and to restore houses. And like I said, if you guys would like to join the Sucker Club uh, by real estate <laughs> in our neighborhood, we could arrange that for you guys. Too, Show so. me that P&L first. I, I <laughs> Let me see what I, that looks I, like. Maybe, maybe a new branch of E-Scooters for Less down there or something like that. Hey, I, I mean, love how you guys are involved in lobbying for things that you need with the government. Mm-hmm. And you know, as there is growth, there needs to be that. And I think that's huge for business owners too. Well, you I just love it. I'd love to hear that, what, back in 1991, that the city was helping you mm-hmm. get through that, figure that out, you know, loan, it, loan that money. And it was and amazing. I mean, they didn't know us from anybody. I mean, we came in here and uh, that we connected with people right away and they wanted to help us. I mean, yeah. and that's how you, one thing you realize, you can't do it by yourself. You, you have to engage a lot of people. It takes a village. And yeah, it it, it does. It, it's, it's, and if you have... You know, it, it's it's our believing in our dream, and and again, it's it if it's not just a self-serving thing. You know, I mean, obviously, the impact we did with this restoration had a positive impact on that whole neighborhood, and the city appreciates it too because you know they didn't have to police it; they got uh, you know, higher taxes from the real estate values increasing. So everyone benefits if you're doing something good. You know, and and it and you do it. You know, you realize that you're not doing it on your own; that you're that a lot of people are going to be involved with it. And, and you reciprocate by helping other people that are helping you, you know, you can accomplish incredible things. So. But like, like what you were saying with the city, the night before we opened, we had city employees at our house at night after work. They would come in and they were helping us polyurethane the, the steps and put the beds together. And they were, these were city employees that just believed in us yeah. and believed in what we were doing. That's really awesome. Yeah. I think that's what make, makes Gamesville so yes. special. You know, I always say it's like a it's like a big city, small town, you yeah, know. exactly. The, the students do leave, but then the people who are here and these hidden gems like right. this and the people who are doing good and who want to see Gamesville thrive. And I think that's what attracts so many people to it. Just things that make you go, whoa. whoa. <laughs> that's right, that's why we're Whoa, that's right here in Gainesville. <laughs> well. 
just so all of our listeners can find you guys and connect where they can book online, mm-hmm. right? Which yes. is just magnoliaplantation.com? No, it's or? Magnolia B and B, B as in boy, and is in Nancy, B as in boy.com. Got it. And social media presence, are yes. you guys on Facebook, that kind of stuff? Yes. You want, do you know what it is? <laughs> just I think it's Magnolia B and B. Okay. All right, we'll we'll confirm and we'll text it up. We'll put text on there, and um, and great. So yeah, guys, Gainesville, like our incoming people. If you're hearing this podcast and coming to Gainesville, this is a magnificent place to stay. They will take excellent care of you. Uh, my wife and I will be back many times over for sure. And uh, you can really... have another baby. <laughs> no more babies. No more babies. But um... and if anybody wants to drop five thousand dollar checks off, I'm sure well, yeah, either sure. one of us would be happy yeah. to accept that. Well, we adjusted for inflation, of course, in thirty years. Oh, true, true. Yeah, Maybe about fifteen. Are you right? There you go. Well, Cindy, Joe, thanks again so much, and Lacey, thank you so much for being an excellent thanks for co-host. Having us. I appreciate it. it. Thank that was you very excellent. Much. Um, Last time, Foster, is it fosterflorida.com is where it's gonna be? .org. .org, fosterflorida.org. So you guys, go support these incredible people. Um, They are doing fantastic things and true, true, true community builders right here in Gainesville. So I'm so appreciative of all you guys. Best wishes heading into 2019. Keep crushing it. (laughs) Cindy's like, yep. Don't look, don't look at that PL, just keep crushing. <laughs> but really appreciate you guys. And Gainesville, thanks so much for listening. World, thank you so much for listening. This is the WHOA GNB podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. We'll see you later. Bye.